millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Wrestle Culture. We're really glad that you're our friend. And this is a friendship that will never, ever end. Yowie wowie. Wrestling. Got there in the end. From what culture? Joined by Phil Chambers from What Culture, and soon to be joined by Michael Hamlet from What Culture to discuss all the goings on in wrestling this week. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we review Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AW Dynamite, pay per views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Phil Chambers. Very apt that I thought I did that wonderful sort of Bray Wyatt-themed Firefly Funhouse thing at the start because, well, Phil, the big news of last week was something that broke, well, a day after WrestleCulture last week, the release of As is always the way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Tell me about your reaction to that news on on Saturday sort of afternoon, I think it came out. It's getting mad this because you sort of in your own mind when it comes to these big releases and like even on days when it's like another massive load of releases about to come and things like that like you have in your own mind like a safe list almost mm. of people who you're like well they can't possibly be affected and then Braun Strowman happened and then you're like oh okay maybe this isn't just sort of the usual suspects and then Bray Wyatt gets announced and it's like oh okay then what <laughs> what the hell is going on over there because if you're ever gonna pick any guy on that entire roster who you know can pretty much guarantee to make his money at least make his money back <laughs> he sold it's Liddy Bray Wyatt. and that's just that's, that's just from this shop stuff let alone his appearances and things and it's it's ridiculous when it like the top merch seller of was it 20 2019 or 2000 like the absolute top merch seller mm-hmm. in all of WWE and yeah then that that goes I I've no idea uh, the, now like it's just it's open season it could be literally anyone <laughs> i mean unless you're yeah unless you're roman reigns or charlotte flair yeah <laughs> yeah I, I genuinely think you could potentially be on the chopping block do you where do you think he's going to end up because i was chatting to andy about this on the news this week he was saying he might go to 
like Impact might be the best place for him rather than an AEW, despite the Young Bucks uh, allusions to Bray Wyatt, let's say, uh, on the AEW Dynamite this week. But then again, we had a Twitter question as well that someone said uh, maybe he could be like a, a Vader-type character in, in New Japan, for example. What do you think is the best place for him? It's an interesting one because he's obviously loves like reinventing himself. He's an obviously like really, really creative guy. If he still wants to go down the kind of fiend-esque route of like a character, Impact is a fantastic shout because they already have loads of spooky nonsense over there uh, and they love it. And it's kind of, it's just an ingrained thing within that program now. And I kind of, I it's not generally for me, but I kind of love how Impact always represents it on their show as well. Because it's just mm. like, any other segment it's like it's just that happened and then we move on and like we're off to something else it's just the way that impact manages to present these ridiculous scenarios of people dying and being resurrected and sucking souls out of the dead and things like that and then just move on to some normal wrestling thing is just it's inspiring <laughs> they, they just don't care they want to do this story so they're gonna do this story and you've got to respect that uh so he'd be a fantastic fit over there in general um, I think it, it depends if he's going to just completely reinvent himself into something else as well. Like we've seen numerous sides to Bray Wyatt, all that have been very sort of character based, but maybe just he's done that kind of thing now. And now he moves, wants to move on and create something completely new, in which case, where else on earth in terms of wrestling, can you get more sort of creative freedom and mm. chances to try something out than AEW? Like it's just a fit where they just kind of let anyone try something out. If it doesn't work, they're going to, they're going to change it at some point, but it's like, go try it. Why the hell not? And the, the amount of freedom that's there is that, but then also maybe he just wants to go down a more purely wrestling side of it, which in case new Japan, he'd be a massive attraction over mm. there. It's like the world is his oyster at the minute, depending on what it is he personally wants to do with it within his own character. I think the one thing we all agree on though, is this, this isn't, this isn't for once me saying this, this isn't some sort of grand work by WWE. So like, oh, he's gone, but maybe he's coming back. It's like, no, no, he was cleared to wrestle two days before. And then they went, okay, you know, goodbye. And then now he can't wrestle till I think late October or something like that. Um, me and Hamlet are going to do a whole sort of long form podcast uh, about him and, well, some of his, his highlights within WWE, which extends further than the Firefly Funhouse match, although that was unquestionably the, the highlight for me. Um, we're talking all about that tomorrow. And we'll come back to Bray Wyatt because uh, because we're going to have him as this week's hashtag bloody good quiz. But before I forget, now we're talking about AEW, uh, Phil. The best signing, or not signing, because not, they've not had the All Elite graphic yet, but the best jump from WWE to AEW has already happened. Forget Daniel Bryan, forget Adam Cole, who we'll also talk about. Oh my God, how good were 2.0 on Dynamite this week? Hey, I absolutely loved it. And what a perfect position to put them in. The day before they call out two of the, like three of the top guys in the company, why the hell not? Uh, and then they come out and lose to them, but in such an entertaining way. I really, really enjoyed it. And genuinely, I would be super happy if they just lost to people every single week on, on uh, AEW uh, for months because they're just really entertaining. And if you just keep on calling out massive guns, thinking they have a chance and then getting <laughs> absolutely destroyed. But like throughout the match as well, like it was just really, really entertaining. The little bit with Sting on the outside, like, oh my God, it's like, you're Sting. And then Darby Allen murdering him with this dive <laughs> from the side. I loved it. I loved all of it. And what like, just a great bunch of lads, really nice guys for this yeah. to happen to as well. And yeah, I, I love it. I described myself as a nervous parent watching Dynamite because I was like, 
this is great then, regardless. But oh my god, I really hope they smash it. And they just they were just perfect. Like it's all well and good, you know, they're incredibly entertaining guys, as we've seen when they were ever eyes, of course, in NXT. Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they're great wrestlers as well. But it, it was like it's make or break at that point, especially for very fickle AEW fans. Not all, not that all AEW fans are fickle, but some might go, "Oh, bloody WWE castoffs again! What are we doing with these guys?" And like you say, you have that entertaining aspect of calling out John Moxley and Eddie Kingston and Darby Allen, and you have that great spot, as you said, with Sting. But then, like very often, when it goes to picture in picture, I go, "Watch this." But yeah. I specifically watched this on fight so I could watch them. And they were just brilliant, like, you know, FTR-esque isolating of their opponent in Eddie Kingston and frustrating John Moxley so much. He got out of the ring. Just let's have a fight then. And me and Hamlet talked about this on the, the Dynamite review. Technically, they didn't lose, right? And I know they did that sort of gimmick in, in, in NXT <laughs> for a bit. They didn't get pinned. So they just kept doing trios matches and whoever their third was would get pinned in the fight. <laughs> Well, zero <laughs> losses sort of thing. But this speaks, of course, to a, a bigger picture with WWE talent going to AEW. We've talked, obviously, about Punk and Brian, the Punk's a WWE talent for seven years or whatever it is. But the big one this week, Adam Cole. What is going on? Yeah, um, huge news. It, it's, it's, oh, it's seemingly Adam Cole is one that would just fit like a glove into AEW straight away because obviously the amount of history and backstory that's there um, with all the uh, Bullet Club stuff and like the stories and that never really fully got paid off over there that they could come back to. And we all know they love playing on the old history of the Bullet Club and turning to to the elite and things like that. It seems like an open goal to just head over to AEW and one that they would be like, yes, old friend, welcome back. Um, But I mean, in terms of like him as a, sort of business side of wrestling, you've got to play each one off the other one and see what you can get, haven't you? Like <laughs> at the end of the day. And it seems like that's what he's doing at the minute. He's not burning any bridges with WWE, obviously, since he's like extended his contract or whatever, like his deal through to um, after SummerSlam, letting them either A, write him off stories or B, get back to him with a better offer, <laughs> hmm. which seems like just leaving it open there. But then you've got Britt Baker over on Dynamite. Will they want to do something together? Like, I know she's been in podcasts, I think, was it Renee's podcast or something that she was on, saying that, like, yeah, would really like to work together at, at someday, but it's like they're both in their own space and they've both mm-hmm. got really mm-hmm. good spots where they are and they're both happy within, like, where they are. So it's just, it seems completely open, this one. And I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if he stuck with WWE and I genuinely wouldn't be surprised if he moved over to AEW. What I'm hoping is, I mean, it's astonishing yet again that WWE buggered up a contract situation. <laughs> Are you with us till November, right? Uh, no, actually, my contract's uh, expiring uh, next week. It's what? It's, it's just <laughs> insane. I don't know who's running the contracts over there, but still, um, yeah, I hope whatever happens, I think if he goes to AEW, like you say, his missus is there, his best mates are there. He's going to have a great time. It's AEW. I mean, look at the way they handle people like Malachi Black, who we'll talk about with Cody yeah. in due course as well. Uh, and, and Miro. Oh, my God, what they've done with me. Like, they always sort of fumble the debut. Not Malachi Black, actually, but Miro and, like, Andrade and a few others I could point to. Like, it kind of balls up the debut. And then they go, all right, well, yeah, we'll make it good. And Miro now is one of the best things about AEW. Um, yeah. But like you say, if, if Adam Cole does choose to stay in WWE, which, yeah, part of me hopes he does because he's such a talent there. And 
this might be the thing where he, I don't know how you'd specifically negotiate this. It'd be like a Hulk Hogan clause where he can go up to the main roster and actually be booked well. Because that's the thing. Kind of done everything in NXT that he can. And I rewatched his like debut when he comes in with uh, Undisputed Era and stuff and it's Axe Drew and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I'm terrified for him on the main roster for obvious reasons. Yeah. But if, if One being he's like five foot sort of seven or something. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they can have some sort Because like, I was like, the thing is as well is, oh, it can have some dream matches on the main roster. I mean, the dream match I've already seen with Daniel Bryan and he's in AEW probably, but uh, uh, we'll work some out. But I, I hope, yeah, whatever happens, um, we just get to see more of him because he is yeah. one half of literally my favourite match ever, which you and I sat together to watch uh, take over in New York, of course. Um, yeah. we, we can't go any further without talking about Monday Night Raw, unfortunately. We'll talk about Karrion <laughs> Cross in a can't second. Can't we? Um, let's talk instead about <laughs> WWE in Chicago being hijacked by fans. Who saw this? Who knew? Chambers. Genuinely don't understand what WWE are thinking when they come to shows like this. It's like for the last sort of three or four years, the Raw after WrestleMania, they've booked it terribly. Like, mm. let's face it, they know what crowd is going to be in that arena. It's hardcore, hardcore fans that have probably traveled quite a long way and spent quite a lot of money on these tickets to not only go to WrestleMania, but go to the Raw after WrestleMania because it became such a big thing, like an event that you can almost guarantee is going to be a really good show. And then they completely drop the ball and then they end up with beach balls because they've dropped the ball <laughs> and it's, and, and the crowd craps all over it. And it's really obvious. They come to like the UK, they know they're going to have a really hot crowd over in the UK. They put on a really mediocre show. Like you just stack that show for that crowd. You know, mm. you're going to get massive reactions. So use it to get massive reactions for these people that you're trying to put over, but no, they just put on a really mediocre show. And then they come to like something like this for in Chicago, the first, show in chicago back without with fans in years and they put on a really crap show again and amazing fans <laughs> crap all over it who knew i i it, like i thought it was very important that uh they did the alexis playground stuff backstage so they yes. could really sweeten that crowd noise because there was already enough we want wyatt chance and cm punk and no doubt a few AEW chants that were maybe sweet out of it the work that must have gone into to tweaking that crowd noise throughout those three hours though because they just were like oh everybody here comes goldberg boo yay it's goldberg hey that's what they've been perfecting over this uh this time in the thunderdome they have got their audio down and now they're like who needs a crowd We've got our own goddamn audio. Thank you very much. We've got Michael Cole shouting 16-time WWE champion. <laughs> yeah, they probably should have seen that one before they put that out on live. Although, to be fair, I think that was probably more of just a, a bumble than like a, yes, on I purpose a crowd noise change. Yeah, I think it was like, I read this somewhere that they accidentally played a promo or something underneath. I think it was Drew's entrance or something. Yeah. Know, regardless. It was but they, they know that these crowds are going to be like this. Why are they, why are they like this? Just put on a show that's a little bit maybe more wrestling heavy than you normally would with some of the guys that they're obviously going to like. Cut down the sort of story things just a little bit and just let the crowd like buy into the show and watch the wrestling. Because you know that they're going to be like this. You know, going in for months and months, you're like, this show is coming up. That crowd's going to be difficult. Let's give them something that they can't crap all over. And, yeah, and, and I yeah. will say this: I thought Charlotte Flair handled it. I yet again, 
Yeah, again, yeah. with the Becky Lynch chance, absolutely perfect. And I really enjoyed the main event, to be fair. It was an iffy Monday Night Raw yet again. But that... He matches! Uh, yeah, the, the the wild brawl between, between her and Nikki ASH was, was, was one they, of the highlights. Again, I think that was a bit like a Charlotte Rhea Ripley situation where they were like, okay, we're going to have to do something for this crowd. Actually, to be fair, most of the women's matches on that show, like they were laying their stuff in mm. quite a lot. Like Nia Jax was and things, it was... Like they oh, put yeah. effort into their things. And I think they really went out to try and not have the fans crap over their stuff. And I think it worked <laughs> for the most part. It was mainly just the story beats and things that they really did not like. But it's, it should be so easy. You've yeah, got been, fresh, it's... fresh crowds that haven't seen wrestling live in ages and ages. They're going to be excited about it. Just don't give them a show full of rematches. That's mm. pretty much all you really need to do. They've spent three weeks when they only need to take one to book Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to face you. I've speared MVP. All right, I will face you. Hey, Goldberg's um, son's got big, though, hasn't he? Jesus. He's all grown up now. <laughs> Him versus Hook at WrestleMania 50, please. <laughs> I genuinely was like, you know, you know, like when people get older and they go, oh, look how much you've grown or whatever. And you yeah. always think, oh, I'll never be like that. I still picture him as that little, no offence, but little chubby kid who was yep. still in the ring with his dad. And you go, oh, that's nice. that makes sense why Goldberg <laughs> wants to get back in the ring. So his son can see him and his wife can see him wrestle. And yet you're like, who's this lad? <laughs> see Goldberg's secret son that he's been hiding somewhere? It's mad- madness. But yeah, um, uh, yeah, no great surprise that, that fans hijacked Monday Night Raw, particularly in Chicago, but especially, I mean, the timing of... Because you think, oh, well, CM Punk Jansen. CM Punk Jansen uh, are yeah. uh, you know, important now. They were going to be there anyway. But like with all these rumours and things, there is not a chance they weren't going to be there. Like, <laughs> you should have seen that coming as well. And then, yeah, just, it just, I mean, I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't have. Well, they shouldn't have released Bray Wyatt, in my opinion. But they yeah. certainly shouldn't have released him for this reason. But have a little thing and go, we've got Raw in Chicago on Monday. Get rid of Bray. Get rid of Bray on Saturday. They'll have forgotten it by Monday. It's fine. <laughs> Um, uh, I don't want to have to keep coming back to this topic, but we have to talk about NXT champion Karrion Cross because on NXT, some great stuff. He is heading towards a potentially fantastic match at TakeOver 36 with Samoa Joe. They're building it really well. And I, I personified this with my tweet on Tuesday morning because on the one hand, I was like, <laughs> Karrion Cross has lost again. He's one and two on Monday Night Raw. But... Keith Lee won. So I was like, good. I'm really happy for Keith Lee to get a victory again. I mean, granted, he's one and two, I think, since returning. But still, that's good. But what on earth is going on with Karrion Cross? Is this, because I've heard a lot of people suggest this, is this just part of a bigger picture of we are establishing him as a wrestler on Monday Night Raw, who kind of goes a bit 50-50, until we bring in Scarlet, and then he goes on this amazing undefeated streak and maybe give him the, the entrance he's got in NXT after that? I don't know. What do you think? I can see that as an argument. My counter-argument to that is do that from the start. Mm, Screw yes. all this nonsense. Don't lower someone's expectations to a point where you're like, uh, meh, carrying cross, who cares? And then build him back up again because he's already at a level where you're like, ooh, carrying cross. This is exciting. Just go from that level and then make him go higher. You don't need to knock him right the way down just so you can bring him back up to roughly where he already is. And I just, I don't understand it at all. And to go 50 50 from your de- debut with anyone is pretty much is pretty bad. But then you do that with Keith Lee. 
a guy that people have been clamoring to get back for ages now. There was a load of mystery about why he wasn't on TV in the first place. And then we finally get Keith Lee back. And then he's the guy you choose to go 50-50 with this guy that you're debuting in completely the wrong way with no package or anything. I, it makes, it baffles me. And then to still think that people are going to care about NXT after this, after you're just ruining the, their champion. The ring, I know. If it, that's like, if he wasn't bringing that belt out to the ring and people would just kind of forget that he's NXT champion, that'd be one thing. But to parade him out there, like, yes, this is the absolute best that NXT has to offer. Look at him lose to Keith Lee uh, and lose to Jeff Hardy and go one in two in his first three matches. Because my thing was, when he first lost to Jeff Hardy, I was like, well, obviously that's dumb. But then, <laughs> then I thought, okay, next week or at SummerSlam or, you know, whatever you want to do it, he's going to murder Jeff Hardy. He's going to yeah. be like, you cheated, right? I'm not happy. And you've made me turn it up another level because I was already going to batter you. But now, you know, maybe, maybe they have a rematch on Raw and he murks Jeff Hardy so much that the, the match can't continue. And then you have a match at SummerSlam and he wins and moves on from there. But then you heard reports like last week that had Jeff Hardy not got COVID, he would have beaten him again. Yeah. And like, I'm, I'm terrified that they're just going to turn around and go, oh, people aren't happy about that. Well, better have him keep be, be Keith Lee next week on Raw. And it's like, it doesn't help anyone. I just... The Just, fact that someone turned around in a writer's room and went, guys, I've got it. We debut Karrion Cross, and then we do this and wrote down these things and no one went, that's a really crap idea, Greg. <laughs> like, how, how does that come through multiple writers like, and through a full system of like writing and then get edited and onto TV and you're like, this is a really bad idea. Like someone <laughs> has to say, this is not good. <laughs> Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, wrestling is ridiculous, Phil Chambers. And uh, as if to personify that fact... Cody Rhodes has retired. I mean, he hasn't, has he? <laughs> he had, uh, don't get me wrong, a brilliant opening match for, for Malachi Black on AEW Dynamite. Beat him in like, what, four minutes? Kicked him off the top turnbuckle. He flipped and went through an announcer's table. And I thought, I was looking at the, you know, the timer that we got left on the show. And I was like, we can't go much longer. Like, he just got fell through a table. He's barely yeah. got any offense in on, on, on Black. So... What are they going to do? And then he barely beats the 10 count. And you're like, oh, right. This is going to have to be a hell of a Herculean comeback. And then he just hits whatever they're calling the black mass now. Yeah. And pins him with a foot on his chest. And you're like, oh, good, I guess. Okay. With the cockiest of cocky pins as yeah. well. Um, And then obviously Cody retires. People can't see inverted commas on a <laughs> Retires. He's obviously... Uh, because I, I sort of hastened to, to, to sort of say, ah, what a load of bollocks with retirement. Because, you know, sometimes people retire and you go, oh, that was actually their retirement. I'm so, I yeah. do apologise. They've got a serious medical issue or whatever. But I've subsequently read, I think Murray, you even reported on whatculture.com yeah. that he is off to, uh, to record another season, the Go Big Show. And, you know, he's got a kid now. So, I mean, he's not retiring, but what a story we got on Dynamite. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. You talk about the differences in debuting someone from going from carrying cross talking about that on Raw over to this on dynamite. If they're worlds apart. And then you think about how WWE treated Alistair black to how AEW are now treating Malachi back. They're totally different people, even though it's pretty much the exact same character, like on AEW, he comes across as an absolute star right now. And even from his entrance, let alone the match. Yeah, absolutely. With the like goat face thing or whatever, it's absolutely great. And then Cody's just selling of everything in that match was absolutely supreme to the point where just a squash match, basically, but like a complete shock squash match. And then, yeah, I did the exact same thing, though, because I was watching through it and I was like looking at the timer and I was like, oh, they've not given this match a huge amount of time, but like there's a bit of time there. And then, oh, it's over. <laughs> and you're like, oh, OK, what? <laughs> Like you expect um, but, there to still be a bit more match to this. And then the actual pin, you're like, oh, that, oh, oh, okay. Okay, then. Hamlet sort of compared it to, uh, to obviously the, the Brody Lee match that we had on that Saturday night Dynamite, to which I think Sidge had the same thought process at the time. Yeah. He was watching it live and he was like, well, they've balls up there. They've balls up the timing on this show because they've did, done a <laughs> bloody TNG championship match. But it's still like t- 10 minutes to the top of the hour. What are they doing? And then obviously Brody smashes him and, and it's just one of the most monumental moments in, in Dynamite history. But yeah. speaking of uh, speaking of Michael Hamlet, he joins us now. Uh, how sad were you to find out the news that Cody Rhodes is retired? Just devastated. Um, it's taken me a few days. I want to apologise if the uh, my doorbell is heard over this podcast. <laughs> it's not the uh, traditional Friday afternoon takeaway arriving for my tea in the sweet spot I've got. It's actually a bunch of flowers that have been sent to me by various concerned people on Twitter that's asking how I've been doing since <laughs> we took that one boot off. Um, no, like, this was actually, like, pretty good if it wasn't for Cody's cheesy delivery. Um, the idea that he's going away is obviously ridiculous. Um, 
but the one boot off as alluding to apparently a part-timer schedule that I saw quite a lot of on Twitter after that was pretty cute, pretty decent. And he's done more egregious things with his stupid full emotions than pretend to retire. <laughs> at least at least it was taken off him by Malachi Black being hard as nails, eh? You know, the, the show ended well. And that comeback as well for like eventually whenever Cody comes back after he's done filming his Go Big show to come back and like Alistair Black, like Malachi Black, I've got a bone to pick with you. I hope he does a better promo than that. But yeah, <laughs> that's going to be really, really good fun too. <laughs> I also like the fact that some people are like, oh, was he on? Typical Cody makes it all about him. I was like, who's standing tall at the end of it all? Like he got <laughs> yeah. his head taken off in five minutes and then came in and said, oh, I'm going away for a bit, right? I, it's sort of implying, well, I'm clearly not up to standards anymore because this guy's just murked me. And then he doesn't just go, oh, okay, bye, everyone, walks off into the sunset. He gets twatted by a crutch that he's got rid of. If he can still hold on to it, Malachi Black wouldn't be able to do anything. He's like, nah, I don't need the crutch. Well, you're going to need it now, you twat. It was great. <laughs> a little part of me hopes that next week Malachi Black comes out wearing Cody's boots. <laughs> And well, then maybe what? every week he takes out someone else and like then he takes their pants and then he takes their jacket and he's slowly evolving into this crazy amalgamation of all these AEW characters. He's maybe only got the one boot, but it's okay because he wears it on the same side of his one panda eye. And this <laughs> one side of his body looks like sort of a half-finished junk shop and the other side is perfect, neat and tidy Malachi Black. <laughs> or he just dangles the boot off his like tree head thing. You know, like you see trees in the trees in the park that have shoes dangled over them. Just one boot. And he takes the boot off everyone he's murdered along the way. Oh, well, uh, let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed there on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier on, we're going to have a, a longer form podcast with myself and Michael Hamford out tomorrow, uh, chatting all about the release of Bray Wyatt, what's next for him and uh, what this means for WWE on the whole. But enough of all this, it's now time for a bloody good quiz. And this week's quiz is brought to you by DCHAM69. Nice. Uh, if you want to have your name associated with a hashtag bloody good quiz, all you need to do is subscribe to What Cool Dressing, leave us a five-star review, just like DCHAM69, who writes, this sounds like a party I'd want to go to. Best podcast there is, five stars. Thank you for that, DCHAM69. Uh, this week's quiz, as I mentioned earlier, is all about Bray Wyatt. I hope you've been doing your research, you two. Um, usual rules, 10 questions, multiple choice, shouting your name, wait for me to come to you. And most importantly, it's just for fun. Okay, question number one, which actually in a Bray Wyatt quiz isn't about Bray Wyatt. Before <laughs> becoming Bray Wyatt, what finisher did he use in FCW? Was it the rock bottom, the stunner, the DDT, or the choke slam? Phil, I have no idea, but I'm going to go with the DDT because it seems like a thing he'd like to use as a finisher. It does, doesn't it? Which is why I added it as one of the... Ah, ah, you, you tricky little thing. I'll go with foreshadowing several points in his WWE career, rock bottom. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the rock bottom. It's in fact the stunner he used oh. in FCW. Mm. Uh, right, question number two. Uh, you might be able to remember this one. Who did the Wyatt family first attack on the main roster? That's got to be Kane. 
<laughs> yes, indeed, it was. Uh, and we talk briefly about this, don't we, Hamlet, on our podcast tomorrow, all about the spectacular first match he had at SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, featuring great. towels. <laughs> uh, okay, question number three. Which Bray Wyatt match was longer? Was it his match with John Cena at WrestleMania 30 or his match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 31? Don't yeah, forget. It's not long. Point. I know that much. <laughs> the point will immediately go to your opponent, of course. Phil, why not? Oh, John Cena. John Cena, his match with him at WrestleMania 30 went 22 minutes and 25 seconds. His match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania 31 went 15 minutes and 12 hey. seconds. So the point goes to Phil. Yeah, I didn't realise this. It, we were chatting about it earlier. His record at WrestleMania is bad. <laughs> I'm pretty sure his record at every pay-per-view is pretty bad. <laughs> so, let's go through this. Let's see if we can remember. So he obviously was, he wasn't already, he wasn't there for WrestleMania 29, was he? So no. Cena lost WrestleMania 30. Taker lost WrestleMania 31. Was 32 the, the, the Rock Rowan one? Humiliated by the Rock. Oh, yeah. of course, yeah. 30... Then it was Orton and the... 33 was Orton and the old... And the, uh, and the bugs. Maggots. I, yeah. 34, was 34 not the one where he helped Matt Hardy? Yeah. Came back dressed as like a butcher or something and Matt Hardy had nice white trousers. I mean, he nice didn't win time. anything. He just helped him because they'd yeah. had that... Uh, Oh, yeah, <laughs> they had that match with Michael Cohen. Well, I don't know what this bollocks is, but here you go. <laughs> it. And everyone got a little bit excited for like 30 seconds until they realised what was coming oh. in. Uh, WrestleMania 35 wasn't there. WrestleMania 36, John Cena. Uh, five Five Funhouse, best moment of his entire career. WrestleMania 37, <laughs> lost to Randy Orton in less time than uh, WrestleMania 33, I think. So... <laughs> Anyway, one each. Uh, three, question number four. Who did Bray Wyatt... Sorry, who did Bray Wyatt pin to win the WWE Championship Elimination Chamber? Uh, was it the leading member of the Bray community, AJ Styles? It was indeed AJ Styles. Yes, because there was that moment where everyone just got very happy because they were like, Oh, John Cena's been pinned. Thank God he's not champion <laughs> anymore. He didn't care at that point, but yeah, that was great. Oh, right. Okay. Hamlet. Flashback to one of our favorite moments of Bray Wyatt and the Fiend, which what didn't take place in a, inside a Firefly Funhouse. How long did it take the Fiend to beat Finn Balor at mm. SummerSlam? This is according to Wikipedia, at least. Was it two minutes, three minutes, four minutes, or five minutes? Phil. Was it three minutes? It wasn't three minutes. I'll pass oh, it over. I was going to go for that. What was it? Two, four or five? Yeah. yeah. I'll go two then. It felt quick. Well, according to Wikipedia, it was five minutes. Wow. What? I didn't realize. I knew it because it had quite like more moves than you would think. And a lot of like waiting around as like Bray Wyatt is selling things, basically. Didn't he? So didn't I, he... I didn't think it'd be that long. I mean, I remember he like snapped Finn Balor's neck at one point. Yeah, and that wasn't the finish. Yeah, and you were like, sorry, just, just, 
Murdered. That's, that's definitely a kick out of two in my book. I, I don't know. I've not, I need to go back and watch it. Actually, did he did he get coup de grace and then just sat back straight back up or something? Or maybe I, I think can't so. remember. There was a lot of offense that he no sold. Mm. I didn't think it was five minutes. No, the, the, the wobbly neck bit was amazing. That's all I remember. <laughs> just like twisting Finn's neck off its shoulders, and there uh, Finn Balor all in white, lads. Oh. Yeah, but it, it was so good because it was like, God, enough of this Finn Balor, lad. There you go. Well, that's enough of that. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. Question number five. Two to one for Hamlet. Uh, which Hall of Famer didn't the Fiend attack? Kurt Angle, Mark Henry, Jerry Lawler, or Mick Foley? Bill. Ooh. I said that with confidence, and now I've just lost all confidence. Uh, what were the options again? Kurt Angle, Mark Henry, Jerry Lawler, or Mick Foley? Was it Angle? He did attack Kurt Angle. Hmm. I'm going to have to process of elimination this one. Yeah. Pretty sure he attacked Mick Foley because that was the kind of informal handing over of the mandible claw. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he attacked Jerry Lawler because nobody could tell who was the biggest fiend. So I'm going to go with Mark Henry. It was Mark Henry that he did not attack. Yes, I love that Mick Foley attack as mm. much as you can love someone attacking a friend of the channel, of course. I swear, uh, I could have. Re- I, I swear, like in my head, I could picture the Mark Henry one, but I guess it was just Randy Orton instead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, question seven: What rating did Dave Meltzer give the Fiend versus Seth Rollins at Hell in a Cell 2019? They're all minus, obviously. Minus obviously. two stars, minus three stars, minus four stars, or minus five stars. Hamlet. Because it's Dave and he's weird. <laughs> How on earth, like below zero, you start to quantify the bad from the even badder? Yeah. I'll, go with, I'll go with minus three stars. I love how his rating system right now is 12 out of 12, basically, isn't it? Because it goes from oh, it's yeah. minus five stars the lowest and it goes up seven. to seven. Yeah. So his rating out of 12. <laughs> it's like that great line in The Office where um, Erin can't understand why Michael loves Holly and she starts ranking her and she goes like, you know, eyes, a six, uh, ears, eight and seven, mouth, a nine. <laughs> she goes around walking like she's a perfect 40. <laughs> Uh, it wasn't minus three stars, Phil. I'll pass it over uh, to you. Minus see, two, I minus had, four, or minus five. I had minus two in my head before you said the answers. But I don't know if he'd just go full on and give it a minus five. It's going it's to be one of them. It's going to be all or nothing. I'll go with two because it was already in my head. You are right to stick with your instincts there, Phil James. It was minus two stars. I think he, he described it as the worst wrestling match ever where no blame can be uh, appointed to the wrestlers effectively. That's like, fair. <laughs> which is fair. Yeah. like it, the match itself wasn't wrestled badly. It wasn't, you know, uh, what is it? The it wasn't their match. choice to do this stuff. <laughs> yeah, no. it was just, it was just, I can't imagine. And then right, you, I mean, there was no botches, and thank God, because if you botch smashing somebody in the face with a hammer when they've got a toolbox on the head, you're going to kill them. So <laughs> it was performed safely. So you're going to put the lad on him, cool. And you're going to twat that with a chair, right? And then you're going to put something else on, okay? 
You know that giant mallet that he's going to try and impale you with? Yeah, that's why with that. There you go. It's not a I swear then. Uh, right, okay. Uh, <laughs> question eight. Three, two to Hamlet. The Fiend and Daniel Bryan had what type of match at the Royal Rumble? Was it an Inferno Humble. match? Oh, strap. It yeah, was, was a strap match. That's how they always knew they could guarantee Bray Wyatt have a great match is that you literally tie him to Daniel Bryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another timings question now, which is sort of a nice sort of cyclical thing. We've had him beating... Finn Balor in five minutes at SummerSlam. But how long did it take Goldberg to beat the Fiends at Super <laughs> Showdown? Was it one minute and 26 seconds? The, the sad thing here is the, the longest time I'm going to get to. One minute and 26 seconds, one minute and 56 seconds, two minutes and 26 seconds, or the maximum time it could have taken Goldberg to beat the Fiend. Two minutes and 56 seconds. Bill, jump in there while I have a chance. Ooh. Is it ooh, one minute and 56 seconds? It's not one minute ah. and 56 seconds. That was the second lowest, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. 126 is your other option, or 226 or 256. Yeah, it's a Friday. I'm going to treat myself to 126. (laughs) It's not 126. It's a whopping two minutes and 56 seconds. I mean. Which means you could probably... Let me work this out. You could. You could watch that match and Ricochet versus Brock Lesnar at the same show and Eric Rowan versus The Rock in the time it would take you to watch The Fiend beat Finn Balor at SummerSlam. <laughs> right, final question. I've, start, I've, I've really started enjoying this. I am going to do this, Phil, in future as one of our big quizzes. The, you know the Google question I did last week? With you, yes. Which you liked. Oh, this is great. Which of these don't come up when you Google is Bray Wyatt dot, dot, dot? So three of these do, just to clarify. Is Bray Wyatt still alive? (laughs) Is Bray Wyatt a nice guy? (laughs) Is Bray Wyatt Samoan? (laughs) Or is Bray Wyatt (laughs) left-handed? Which of those don't come up? Oh, they're all very plausible. They are. You, you overthink these ones because you're thinking yeah. the Samoan one's so thick, but then you're like, there are some of those questions that appear on like, you know, the Google Answers ones. On yeah, the some people are really dumb. They're quite amazing. Can uh, I get Phil. pregnant from kissing my boyfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Phil, why not? I'm going to go with is... Bray Wyatt. What was the last one? <laughs> Left-handed. <sighs> Trying to picture him holding something in the Firefly Funhouse, and if it's which hand it is. Uh, it's either that one or a nice guy. For some <laughs> reason, I think the Samoan one is legit. <laughs> Don't know why. Uh, I'll go with is a nice guy. Although I do think that's there too. I don't know. I probably bought it. Is a nice guy. 
is Bray Wyatt a nice guy? Is one of the options? Yeah. I'll I'll go go dump myself into a hole. I'll go. I'll. I'll sort of taking Phil's lead. So make it all the crueler if I get this point. I'll go with the left-handed one. I can tell you in order of these things that as I read them, some of them read, is Bray Wyatt still alive? Is Bray Wyatt a nice guy? (laughs) (laughs) And the final one, is Bray Wyatt Samoan? So yes, Uh, the point goes to Michael Hamlet. Thank you, Phil. Thank you. (laughs) Well, honestly, there's definitely scope. Uh, I'm not here next week, but in the next few weeks, we are going to do a quiz all about the Google search results for certain wrestlers because, oh, there's some good ones out there. Don't cheat, you <laughs> two. But I did one with Randy Orton today just for a little giggle. And, uh, yep. <laughs> oh, there's some good, good Google searches there. <laughs> What's on Randy Orton's hand when he wants to shake yours? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, congratulations, Michael Hanford. You win this week's Bray Wyatt quiz, which means you qualify to do a long-form Bray Wyatt podcast with me, this weekend. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. Hang on. You told me this was just for fun and that podcast was not fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, thanks to both of our players. Uh, this has been Wrestle Culture. Let us know your thoughts on everything we've discussed and how you got in the quiz at What Culture WWE on Twitter. Watch there. You can follow all three of us. You can follow Phil Chambers at Phil My Chambers and you can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet, and you can follow Adam Wilborn at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Our SmackDown preview from earlier on today is available right now. And as I said, that Bray Wyatt uh, sort of long form discussion podcast with myself and Michael Hamflet will be out tomorrow as well. But for now, this has been Wrestle Culture. My thanks to Phil Chambers, to Michael Hamflet, to you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Wrestling. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 